Blessed are. The Beatitudes challenge us to consider what it means to be blessed. And who is blessed? Perhaps we could say today, blessed are those attending First Presbyterian, for they will have a feast of soup today. Or blessed are those worshiping when officers will be installed and communion will be celebrated, for that means the sermon will be short. (laughs) Those blessing statements, though, of Matthew, they're fuller, they're deeper. They're directed towards those who are suffering greatly or those who exhibit a deep faithfulness in their lives. Interesting that Jesus places those two blessings side by side. Maybe maybe we'll find a connection. We can't really do justice to all of these statements. For heaven's sakes, you could do a couple of sermons, two or three, on every single one of these statements. Let's, Let's consider a couple. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know, one of the best recent statements I've encountered about the Beatitudes recently is by the Reverend Aaron Spengeman Hutchinson, who says, she says, God sure does have a different way of doing things. Maybe God is trying to turn our upside-down world right-side-up. These are statements that help us understand how the world ought to be. You know, when we consider grieving and mourning, we know people who are grieving over a painful loss should receive care and comfort. And this word of comfort means so much more in Greek than we may realize. Listen to all the ways this word can be used depending on the context and the the way the verb acts, call to one side, summon, invite, call upon for help, appeal to, urge, exhort, encourage, request, implore, entreat, comfort, encourage, cheer up. Jesus is saying that those who mourn should be given long-term care and support. Jesus is calling out for there to be friends for the journey for them. Friends that can bring them to a place of new life and new hope. A few folks are so blessed to have those kinds of friends, but Jesus doesn't say, blessed are a few who mourn, for they will be comforted by those special friends. We need to hear the inclusive power of his statement. Jesus' promise and call is for all who mourn to find deep companionship through their journey of grief. Who will do this? The Beatitudes remind us we are to be companioned on each other's journeys of grief. That happens in the church when we grieve over the loss of loved ones. We're also called to do that for the wider world. For refugees grieving loss of home and loss of loved ones, killed by violence and hunger and thirst and cold and illness. For families that are grieving from losses caused by things like addiction. 
for orphans grieving the loss of parents and parents who have lost their children. But grief is much more than just those emotions that we suffer when a loved one dies. We grieve when families are divided, when a secure future is lost, when a fight ends a friendship. Communities find themselves mourning when economic forces leave them impoverished. And I think all of us find ourselves mourning a past world where political opponents found ways to work together. The grieving that goes on in our world is widespread, and there's a place for each one of us to answer this invitation. Each one of us can come along beside someone and be that companion for the journey. To sit with a person, to hold them, to comfort, to encourage, to stir to action where appropriate, to give hope and healing passed to us from our loving God, in short, to be a true friend. Another beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The word meek doesn't get a whole lot of respect in our society. The second definition I found in the online Merriam-Webster dictionary is the one many of us associate with that word. Deficient in spirit and courage, submissive. Nobody wants to be called meek. The Greek word used in the gospel, though, has connections to the idea of an animal that is restrained, like a horse in harness. And there's an underlying assumption there. The animal being restrained has power. Now, we like the idea of power. If I was in charge, the saying goes, things would be different. And we mean things would be better, at least from our point of view. Most of us are quick to say we know how we would fix problems in the world, and we're convinced that our solutions would be the best. But best for who? History is filled with so many troubling examples of the exercise of power who benefited, and who suffered. The meek, in the best biblical sense of the word, are those who willingly restrain their own power. The Gospels are filled with places where Jesus challenged listeners to do this. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Take the least important seat at the party. If a soldier compels you to carry a load one mile, carry it too. Stop and help that broken person on the roadside, giving up your own busy and important agenda. Even the command that tells us not to store up treasure on earth is another way of saying we ought to restrain and give up our power. Don't accumulate earthly wealth and its associated power. Now, the restraint of power is not the giving up of the dream of justice for those who are powerless. It's a recognition that our exercise of power in order to fix the world is fraught with problems. When we think we can dictate to others how we can make their world better, 
We completely ignore their agency and their humanity. God wants us to restrain our power and our good intentions and come alongside those who suffer and let them take the lead in turning this upside-down world right side up. And there's our link between those who are suffering and righteous living. The righteous see the suffering of the world, and they don't resort to the quick fix to make themselves feel better. The righteous plunge into this messy, troubling world, relinquishing their positions of power and privilege. They remain committed to the purity of Jesus' call of love. They hold the grieving They live with the hunger for things to be better. They endure the ridicule of others because their lives call attention to the suffering in the world. The righteous person's behavior makes the powerful of the world uncomfortable and even angry because righteous people seek to become true friends to those who are suffering. And this, Jesus says, is what it means to be blessed. Give up our power and our agendas and live a righteous life by doing something like being a true companion to those who mourn. This, says Jesus, is the path of blessedness. We'll certainly enjoy the blessings we encounter today, the the soup. There may be some folks going to parties, time with friends and family. But this is another path that Jesus is inviting us to take, to experience blessing. It's a path that allows us to befriend those who are hurting and be blessed by their presence, their lives, even their tears. That path will put us all in the business of turning this upside down world right side up so it matches what God intends. And that right side up world is the world God intends to give to us. Amen.